0: is a lens by which you assess all economic understanding. The Street is full of corruption. It is baked in to every aspect of our society. In 1900s, Lenin was predicting global finance capital would do all the things it's doing today. This is written over 100 years ago. All right, folks, this is Steve, the Rogue Scholar. I wasn't sure whether to jump in before the video or just let the video play. I went with let the video play. And that video right there was made, I don't know, probably four or five years ago by our former video editor and graphic artist, Mindy Donham. Uh, Mega props to her. Um, You know, this this subject has got me. Obviously, it drives almost all of my activism the concept of economic justice, the concept of ending poverty to making citizens whole. Um, These are kind of like the democratic socialist side of Steve. These are the social democrat side of Steve. These are the the things that we can do today. sans revolution kind of thing today. That is if we can make any kind of uh, headway and it's not just looking upward. See, this is the problem. A lot of people want you to always punch up always want you to look up. They always want you to talk about the boogeyman up there. You know, down with the system, man, down with the system. It's all true. It's all true. But when I say we got to take to the streets, when I say we've got to get other alt media, when I say we've got to get our friends and allies infecting and becoming a rogue strain of truth inside of their groups that they inhabit, inside their friendships, inside their political parties, whatever, that's yeah, okay, yeah, we can look up top, but that's lazy. That is the most lazy explanation for the problems that rob us of a future. The problem is we already know, we already know empirically that the people above us aren't serving our needs. We already know this. We already know it. And yet we still don't fight back against it. We still can't get collective understanding of poverty being a political decision. We still can't understand the fact that the government can never go broke on debt denominated in its own currency. Denominated? Do you all know what the word denominated means? We cannot go in debt on any debt that is payable in U.S. dollars because we create them out of thin air. There's no way to go broke on debt payable in U.S. dollars. And we don't borrow Chinese yuan. We don't borrow British pounds. We don't borrow Japanese yen. We use United States dollars, U.S. dollars. And most of the countries without fully developed economies, they end up either pegging their currency to the U.S. dollar and then they, they then need U.S. dollars. And that's where it gets tricky. But that's not the United States. That's not the United States. So all this stuff about what happens when they lose faith in the dollar. Literally, you want to take and gully them. You want to knock them out. You want to say, shut the fuck up. Right? Because in the end, it's all these bullshit stories that they recycle. Like they know what they're saying, and they tell it the, the bar stool, they tell it the freaking, uh rallies, they tell on other alt media programs, talk about nonsense that they know very little about. But they have things to say. they have things to say, but they don't have ears to hear. And it's because of this wackadoo kind of brain dead thinking, lack of thinking that doesn't allow us down here. See, punching up there, they know what they're doing. And they're being very successful at depriving us of the things we need. It's amongst us that we don't act like we deserve better. It's among us that we don't fight back against austerity, that we don't fight back for real. And as I said the other day, probably the most disgusting thing Is that we have people out there ready to do anti-war demonstrations, anti-war protests in Washington, D.C. with people like Movement for a People's Party. And you have Von Mises, the Libertarian group, and the Libertarian Party working with Code Pink. And they're out there as the anti-war movement, as the anti-war protests, as the anti-war collectors of people. But I want to ask you a question. I want you to think really fucking hard about this. What do you think kills more people? Do you think the war in Ukraine will kill more people? Or do you think a lack of health care? Do you think poverty in terms of uh, starvation, in terms of exposure to the cold, in terms of lack of access to health care? Do you think that kills more people? Because that's austerity. And I've said it a million times, and I'll say it a million and one more times. Instead of always looking at it like a gun has to be the thing that kills people. Instead of thinking it's just wars and tanks and planes and drones that kill people. We need to understand the biggest war going on unchecked by anyone on the left, by anyone in alt media, by anyone around, period. Any of our Congress critters, any of our senators, none of our presidents is the war on poverty. And it's so fucking easy to deal with. But the problem is they need us desperate. They need us slaves. And the only way that they can gauge whether they're good or bad, whether they're doing well in life, is the distance between them and the person below them, okay? So what I'm gonna do is I'm gonna show you this uh, article by Roger Malcolm Mitchell, okay? This article right here is about the gap and this is gap psychology, the thinking that goes into wanting people to be broke, because that way you can gauge how well you are. So let's read this. What is gap psychology? A brief explanation by Roger Malcolm Mitchell. Starts off it takes only two things to keep people in change the ignorance of the oppressed and the treachery of their leaders. Well, we already know we got treachery of our leaders in terms of the people. Uh, that are not passing bills. And we know we're full of ignorant fucksticks that literally think they're smart. They know everything, but won't listen. So we are surrounded by every possible enemy you could imagine. And you know what? All the enemies we have aren't just up that direction. Sometimes we have a here and now enemy, the enemy that's going to kill us today, And that is austerity. And that is what those anti-war people bonding with the libertarians who push austerity, who push this murderous paradigm. But the, the cluelessness allows them to believe that the only war to fight is this war in Ukraine where thousands may die. As opposed to millions with poverty and millions with austerity politics. I've shown you time and again that austerity is murder. I've shown you time and again that austerity is a policy choice, that austerity is used to discipline labor. If you're a pro-labor organization and you're an anti-war organization, what could be more important than anti-austerity legislation and understanding we need an anti-austerity movement? See, thinking that war is the only form of war, if you will, traditional war, literally allows everyone to ignore the real blight in society, which is the killing by policy. It's invisible. It's like creeping death. And you never know. It's kind of hard. You can kind of vaguely say, well, they probably would have lived if they'd have been given preventative treatment for that heart condition, but they didn't, so they died. So that's not murder. That's just, they made bad choices. See how that works? So let's go ahead and read this. Monetary sovereignty describes money creation and destruction. Gap psychology describes the common desire to distance yourself from those below you in any socioeconomic income, wealth, power ranking and to come nearer to those above you. The socioeconomic distance is referred to as the gap. Gap psychology manifests it's in infinite ways it's everywhere in your life bigotry bigotry is the like and or demeaning of any group that is some way different from your own or admired group bigotry can be based on race religion age weight height wealth geography political beliefs or any other attributes we tend to distance ourselves from groups we consider to be lower and to try to associate ourselves with groups we consider to be higher. In compassionate, charitable people, this desire is repressed. In bigots, this desire is overwhelming. Members of upper-income groups often feel disdain, even fear about those in lower-income groups and wish to widen the socioeconomic gap between themselves and the lower group. Widening the gap is not limited to increasing one's own income, power, or wealth. It can also include reducing the income, power, or wealth of those below. It is the gap width that matters, not the absolute income, power, or wealth. If you own $100 and everyone else owns $1, you're rich. But if you own $1 million and everyone else owns $200 million, you're poor. The gap is about what makes you rich or poor. Without the gap, no one would be rich. We would all be the same. The wider the gap, the richer the rich are. Bullying. Few acts more clearly exemplify gap psychology than harassing the weak or seemingly weak. The object of the bully is to lift himself by stepping on others. Bullies live in fear of being found wanting or of being associated with those below. Typical of bullies is bluster, the attempt to lift oneself by making self-association with some superiority, i.e. claiming I'm the greatest individual to appear close to those above. Celebrity endorsement. If basketball star Michael Jordan endorses a certain brand of basketball sneakers, buyers might assume he has special knowledge about what makes for the best basketball shoe. But what if Jordan endorses a brand of t-shirt? Why would that be convincing? That sort of advertising is effective when buyers have a psychological belief that in some vague way, buying the t-shirt will make them more like Mike. Fashion. The fundamental purpose of clothing is to protect your body. This can be accomplished in many simple and expensive ways. So why do you pay more to wear designer clothing? A woman's purse can accomplish its bag mission for just a few dollars. If yet some designer purses cost thousands of dollars. Women pay these outlandish prices to close the distance between them and those financially above them. The fundamental purpose of a car is transportation. A functional car, especially a used model, can be had for a few thousand dollars. Why then do you own, i.e. want to be seen in, a BMW, Lexus, Mercedes, Ferrari, or Rolls-Royce? And then there are mansions, diamonds, indistinguishable from paste, charitable contributions made public, personally named buildings, etc. All are part of Gap psychology group and team support as social animals humans rely on groups or at the very least partners evolutionary survival has meant being part of a strong group or having a strong partner to watch your back with no thought necessary people will support all sorts of groups religious sports business neighborhood political to be a fan i.e a fanatic comes naturally it scarcely is possible to watch a sporting event between two unknown teams without mentally aligning yourself with one of the teams. All of the above merely demonstrate that gap psychology is in our genes, and there are innumerable gaps, but there is one gap that is most important of all, the power gap. The power gap, or more specifically, the income-wealth power gap, is the gap that truly rules our lives. Like all gaps, the power gaps are bifurcated into the gaps below you versus the gaps above you lord acton's famous phrase power tends to corrupt and absolutely absolute power corrupts absolutely applies here the certainty of the relationship between power and moral corruption is why the us constitution was created especially its amendments the first 10 of which commonly are known as the Bill of Rights now, mind you, folks, I am not a big supporter of our Constitution for a host of reasons. Read your Howard Zen if you want to know why, but that doesn't change the fact that what was being said here is still valid. okay The greater the power gap between you and others who are above you, the greater will their tendency to treat you badly and demand your servility, especially if they are insecure about their own power and trust me, folks. Having been in this media stuff for a while, there are people that have lots of money, well-connected, who make you grovel, who try to put poison pills in before they'll come on and be your guest, who do all sorts of stuff. Believe me, happens so much more than I will ever admit publicly, but those who are on the back end know what I'm talking about, those who get to see the DMs and know what I'm talking about, it is insane. Trust me. Slavery cost America its moral compass the loss from which many of us still have not recovered. Sadly, some in America's South still consider slavery to be a proud part of their heritage, and in the entire nation, the remnants of slavery exist as bigotry. Tax Codes Our tax codes are a collection of laws, and our laws are ruled by the richest and most powerful. That is why the second most important financial laws in America are regressive. Sales taxes are regressive in that they most affect the lower income groups who use a greater proportion of their income on taxable purchases. The upper income groups use a greater proportion of their income on investments. FICA taxes are regressive because they are levied only on salaries, not on investment income and are limited to a 100 million range. And by the way, are completely unnecessary, folks. Your Social Security FICA taxes do not in any way, shape, or form fund FICA, okay? So that's another big lie. Income taxes, though ostensibly progressive, actually are regressive in that special rules allow the rich to avoid paying the stated percentage, a.k.a. loopholes. And student loans, which amazingly are the single largest asset class owned by the federal government, are regressive in that the rich don't need them. And while the poor could be held down with them for many of their otherwise most productive years, kick them when they're down, that old phrase, kick them when they're down succinctly describes gap psychology. When we join in the kicking, we separate and lift ourselves from those being kicked. Makes a lot of sense, doesn't it? All those people out there who want to be part of the quote unquote winning team. When they see a bully out there and they're like, yeah, yeah, yeah. Fuck them. Yeah. Right. You know, you see them on Twitter. You see them in alt-media. You see them in leftist alt-media, okay? Sad, but true. A nation is a collection of rules and traditions, which are often manifested in laws. The laws have power over the people of the nation, and the nation's leaders have power over the laws. Somebody's got power over the leaders too, by the way. Old money, baby, old money. An immutable, or nearly so, constitution was necessary to prevent each succeeding leader from redesigning the laws to favor his own passions. Sadly, the corrupting power the Constitution was designed to prevent still remains as the corrupting power that interprets the Constitution, a.k.a. Capital. American history is replete with examples of a corrupted president, Congress, Supreme Court twisting the words of the Constitution. For example, The overly admired Franklin Roosevelt interned American people of Japanese descent, aided and abetted by our constitutionally protected institutions. The people being small minority had little voting power and whatever power of national empathy and compassion they had dissipated with Pearl Harbor being powerless. The people were set upon by those in power using the traditional excuse of dictators, national security. The fundamental meaning of the Fourth Amendment, unreasonable searches and seizures, routinely is violated by the police with the full acceptance of the Supreme Court. People who only are suspected of a crime have seen all their assets stolen by the police and never returned even after being declared innocent, something Kamala Harris did frequently. Public outcry about this clearly unconstitutional action has been muted. The British have a phrase for that sort of gap psychology. I'm all right, Jack, pull up the ladder. By pulling up the ladder, one separates from the unfortunates who remain below. Law and punishment. All law answers two fundamental questions. What is unlawful and what is the punishment for violating the law? The Moors of any civilization form the basis for answering both questions. But in society, the rich and powerful are treated more favorably by lawmakers and judges who themselves are powerful. Consider bail and bonds, bail handed by a bondsman, one of the more regressive aspects of American law. The implicit purpose of bail is to guarantee the defendant will show up for trial. Bail is not supposed to be a punishment. Usually, bail is set before a trial, meaning before the accused is known to be guilty. So punishment would be inappropriate. Yet in its use, bail functions as a pre judgment. judgment. Judges decide the amount of bail on the basis of the risk of the defendant fleeing, the type of criminal the time of crime alleged, the dangerousness of defendants, and the safety of the community. An impoverished defendant might remain imprisoned by $100 bail why a wealthy defendant might go free and flee the country even after putting up a million bail dollars. But the real risk of defendant fleeing has nothing whatsoever to do with the defendant's wealth. If a judge is concerned that a defendant will flee, what then is the purpose of bail? A rich person very well could decide that fleeing and losing bail money is preferable to spending years in jail. Lost bail money does not compensate the victims of the crime. An innocent poor person is punished by the bail system. The entire bail system is designed to allow the accused rich to separate themselves from the accused poor. It is a product of gap psychology. In summary, gap psychology is everywhere affecting our beliefs, our customs, and our laws. It is proverbial 800-pound gorilla in every room of our lives. Gap psychology separates not only the rich from the poor, but it separates the poor from the very poor and the not-so-poor, the very rich from the almost-rich, and the upward middle hoping to be rich. It separates the powerful from the powerless. Gap psychology affects the clothes you wear, the house in which you live, the schools you attend, the car you drive, the stores and restaurants you frequent, the church you attend, your job, your hobbies, your vacations, your voting the person you marry, even the name you give your child. Visualize that you have built a wall around yourself to separate you from the other. The height and thickness of that wall and the existence of any entrances all are based on gap psychology. Gap psychology guides our society. It should not be overlooked when we search for answers to any social question beginning with the how come or why, right? This brief post leaves us with three truths. One, monetary sovereignty, or MMT in this case, is fundamental to questions about federal government and non-federal finances. Gap psychology is fundamental to questions about social interactions. And monetary sovereignty and gap psychology are fundamental to economics. All questions in economics ultimately lead to monetary sovereignty and to gap psychology. And so with that, Folks, this is some serious stuff, isn't it? Isn't I mean, seriously, isn't this serious stuff? And yet here we are, we're watching Code Pink go on NPR talking about an anti-war rally they're going to have in D.C. We've got NPP is out there talking about they're going to be working with libertarians who push this kind of gap psychology, this kind of perversion of anarcho-capitalism, this kind of weird, wacko, right-wing crap because they're anti-war, because they're anti-anything that has to do with the state, because they're anti-anything that infringes upon their rights, including taxes, including social programs, including any government intervention whatsoever. Libertarians are the I-got-mine-fuck-you of the GAP psychology world, and yet these are the folks that they're bonding with in an anti-war rally. Now, if you understand what I've shown you and you understand, actually understand austerity and understand that this is a war on all working class around the world, okay, then you stop isolating the simple, easy, low hanging fruit of just simply, hey, the 900 member Azov battalion, this and the bombs that, okay, because this fight that we're talking about right here doesn't lend itself to bonding. With libertarians, it doesn't lend itself to actually working with people pushing austerity and they don't recognize austerity as murder. And if they did, they certainly wouldn't be having an anti-war rally with the chief purveyors of austerity. They certainly wouldn't be advancing garbage and ignoring austerity if they were serious about anti-war movement, which I do not believe they are. I believe this is about people collecting. I believe this is about remaining relevant. And unfortunately, as a result of that, austerity will once again, as always, be the sacrificial lamb for their excursions into right-wing politics. Okay? The concept of being anti-war is an extremely important thing. But it has to come with an understanding that war is waged through sanctions, that's economics, and austerity, once again, economics. And once again, the most brutal, long-term kind of torture that can be done to people. And it's intentionally done because every step along the way up the food chain, they want to repress the person below to ensure that they stay one inch above the pig slop. So until we address that, nothing's going to change. And as long as we believe some country over there is holding us back from prosperity, people are going to sign up for war. Whether it's you or someone else is irrelevant. Most of the people will buy into that. Most of the people will buy into that. And then when a guy like me comes and tells you as a former libertarian, that this fake idea that somehow or another we're anti-war together by skipping the austerity message is a betrayal. It's a class betrayal. It is a betrayal to all workers. It is a betrayal to all people. Until we elevate class consciousness, until we elevate the point of austerity as murder, We will continue to justify people that advocate for austerity. How hard is it to understand this? I don't think it's hard at all. I don't think it's hard at all. But yet people enjoy being part of a larger group. It's part of the gap psychology. It's part of the in-crowd, out-crowd mindset. Okay? And as a result of this, as we've stayed steady and talked MMT and haven't left, and as we've stuck by and talked specifically about the impacts of austerity and how it paves the way for war, interestingly enough, when we understand that US sanctions create enemies abroad, and we ignore the sanctions on United States citizens through austerity that creates the hate and the gun violence in our country. Who is the bigger criminal? The people that are committing the austerity or the activists who are leading charges with big numbers and are ignoring it? I already know the bad guys are doing what they're doing. My problem is is that because we've got people that hand wave and say, the system, the system, and they always want to punch that far up. They ignore... The people that are killing them at this level, that are creating a natural barrier to change, that are creating a barrier to us being able to overcome austerity narratives. And so as a direct result of this, if you make these points, you'll be excommunicated. How many times do you see a guy like myself pulled into other uh, of these all day panels and weekend panels? You don't. Why is that? Because I'm busy calling them out for not speaking on this stuff. I'm not the enemy, but I'm not going away. I'm going to keep saying this stuff. I'm going to keep preaching. I'm going to keep talking. I'm going to keep shoving people's nose in it. Because until it changes, nothing changes. Nothing changes. You know, I I think to myself, every time I hear a politician say, how are we going to pay for that? I know they're lying. I know they're lying. Right there, right in that moment, I know they're lying. And every time I hear people that are running for office say the same things, that are afraid to tell the truth because they want to get elected, it's more important to them that they get elected, thinking somehow or another an army of one is going to change Congress. When in reality, they need to be an army of informing people to create enough popular pressure. To make government change. And then they will get elected when they are seen as a leader instead of a follower. But everybody wants to congregate against the low-hanging fruit. And therefore, austerity and all the poverty are ignored. I'm sure I see people say something about it, but they're not committed to it. They don't stay focused on it 24 by 7. They instead want to talk about the 900-member Azov Battalion over and 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 over again. And every one of them will like, retweet, share, you name it, the same fucking thing over and over and over and over and over again. We're not making any meaningful headway. And the worst part of this is that in a quest to do things such as healthcare and things like that, rather than understanding the economics of it all so that they don't further create poverty conditions by bankrupting local and state governments with pushing policy down at that level, instead of focusing their attention on the currency-issuing federal government, uniting all peoples to create enough groundswell pressure to eradicate poverty and to fix these things. Instead, they congregate and, and like, become like an amoeba, pushing for these things that are feckless and wrong. When you strip the local and state governments of their, the resources, the finances that they need because state and local governments are all, are all hung up needing tax dollars. They all need it, local and state. And when they start competing with other states to bring the next Microsoft headquarters into their backyard or the next Amazon warehouse into their backyard or the next Boeing manufacturing plant into their backyard or the next whatever, Every single time those competitions go on, what do they do? The governors, the different people sit there and talk with the CEOs and whoever of those major companies. And they say, listen, we will give you a sweetheart tax deal if you'll just come down here so we can have jobs. So what do they do? They literally raise taxes on the poor. And they literally cut taxes on the new income coming in from whatever the headquarters is to sweetheart them in the door, or they cut services for the poor. This is called the race to the bottom. And it creates poverty. It creates poverty. And without people really fighting for this, by extension, they're murderers by proxy. They're allowing someone else to do the murdering, but they're being the good German and ignoring what's going on behind the tree line as Auschwitz is busy gassing and burning up the Jews. Same exact thing. If I am able to keep my eyes up here and not look down and see the poverty below me, then I'm not guilty. I'm just being a good person, doing things. I'm making good choices. I'm living my best life. I'm I'm just a good person. Don't judge me. They don't have to look down and realize that what they've done is stepped on a bunch of people that couldn't afford to live. Okay. And so what do you do with that? How do you partner? How do you bond with people that are busy allowing that scenario to play out? How do you sit there and ignore death like that and pretend to be anti-war? I don't understand it. I don't get it. And I can make a strong case that that ain't anti-war. I don't want to hear anything about sanctions and blah, blah, blah. When in reality, austerity is absolutely sanctions. It is literally depriving people of life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness. It's primarily robbing them of their health, their mental health, and robbing families a chance of surviving. How many divorces do you think happen as a result of financial instability? Think about it for a minute. And how many people do you think die as a result of divorce and poverty that comes from it? Because poverty always seems to follow divorces, except for the people that marry up. You know, the people that, hey, I'm going to trade up. I don't, my uh, husband or wife, it doesn't make enough money. So I'm going to go after somebody with more money, you know, that same gap psychology in the marriage game plays well too. And you could tell the snobs of the world that literally ignore poverty because after all, as long as I do my good deed and do a few hours of volunteer work, Chauncey, I've done my part to eradicate poverty and you too can do your part too. Think about that. I know people that go and volunteer at nonprofits. They think that if they do a few hours of good service, they've done their part. They're not interested, and they don't care if the nonprofit mission actually achieves its mission. They're just into the business of showing up and doing a few good deeds so that they can put it in their basket of uh, prayers to the Catholic God. And they could tell, well, I've done my good work, so I put in approximately 2.5 hours hoping to talk about poverty. So therefore, I have eradicated poverty. I'm, I'm a good person now. Right? This mindset isn't concerned with actually eradicating poverty. It's concerned with punching a ticket, checkbox management. Yep, I did my two hours of picking up trash on the side of the road. How come we don't have a Green New Deal? That's the kind of ridiculousness that passes for uh, principled effort. Yeah, exactly, Rob Baxter. They show up for the photo op and that's it. So, you know, think about what I'm saying here. If poverty is a political choice and it is purely a political choice, if not having a Green New Deal is a political choice and purely a political choice, and not having Medicare for all, or more importantly, universal health care, fuck insurance. Medicare for all is a catchphrase, it's a buzzword, it's the Next step up in terms of managed insurance covered by the government. But in reality, we could just as easily make healthcare free and payable only by the government. And who gives a shit, quite frankly? How many people had heart transplants in terms of affordability? If a heart's available and a person has a need, it shouldn't matter where they fit in the social hierarchy. They should get a fucking heart. It shouldn't matter if they have money, as to whether or not they deserve a kidney or a liver. It shouldn't matter if they are living in the United States or if they're living in Africa, if they need a vaccine. It shouldn't matter if you've got super nuclear palsy, which is not profitable to solve and only affects like 0.2% of the population. But because it's never going to be profitable, no one ever solves it. And yet people are dying. It doesn't have to be that way doesn't have to be that way. The United States government has no profit motive. The only time the United States government entertains a profit motive is when it instead does public-private partnerships where it allows the private sector to profit off of public expenditures. At that point in time, they cross over into that world. And you know what? There's cool kids out there that congregate in their little soirees that won't listen to this kind of stuff. They don't listen to any of the MMT stuff. They don't listen to any of the content that comes from this channel. And you can tell because when they go out there and talk, they're saying stupid shit like taxpayer, my hard earned tax dollars and taxpayers funded this and they're saying the same bullshit over and over again. How come we can afford 50 billion to Ukraine, but yet we haven't solved poverty? Oh my God, we need to, we need to get that money and we need to bring it back. And we need to we need to find rich people tax dollars so we can pay for programs. All the nonsense. These are all barriers to progress. These are all fake barriers to progress. Fake, well, they're real barriers, but they're fake knowledge. And they're fake knowledge that most of these people end up indulging in. Many of your favorite heroes indulge in and they're recalcitrant. They ignore you. I'm not going to mention some of their names because I'm hoping privately I'm able to reach them through other means, but there are people out there that have run for office that you all know and love. You've probably even campaigned for that literally are tied to alt-media people that know, and they do not preach the MMT angle that we can afford anything. They still preach the stupid taxpayer dollars. And if we cut here, we can spend there and crap like that. They're still doing it. And as long as that continues, the gap psychology will continue. And as long as gap psychology continues, you will never get a popular movement big enough to make impact with the government we have today. You will never, ever, ever get that. Because the people right here are going to say, hey, I paid my student debt. Why should I have paid that and you didn't? The other people, hey, I work in a union. I fought tooth and nail for my union benefits. I got a Cadillac plan through my union. Why should you get one? You didn't help out with our union. On and on and on, these selfish motherfuckers will say these things. And as a result of that, even people that say they're on your side, Will leave you hanging. I want you to remember. I want you to hearken back to when Bernie Sanders was running, and they were doing the Las Vegas, should say the uh, Nevada primary. In the Nevada primary, the culinary workers were not down with Medicare for all because they felt like they had earned their Cadillac plan. And the way they were gauging their self was by gap psychology. Hey, we've got this Cadillac plan. Fuck everyone else. I want you to know that. I want you to think about that. I want you to realize that. Put it in your brain pan. Let it spin around and let it inform your activism. Let it inform your tweets and your replies and your conversations with friends. Let it impact your political ideology. Let it impact the way you conduct your own life. Think about what I'm saying. People are petty. And no, it wasn't just the leaders. It was the rank-and-file workers, too. They felt like they had worked hard for these benefits. Why should everyone get them? This is one of the conundrums I end up stuck with on reparations because I know there's a big fight between the quote-unquote diaspora and the freedmen. Who were promised 40 acres and a mule and were not given it. So, across the divide, when you think about generational wealth being passed on, that's part of a capitalist, uh, paternalist kind of structure. And within that patriarchy, those kinds of norms hold out. What happens when you are a regular person and you have a 401k plan? Are you going to be interested in policies that help everyone if it impacts your 401k? If everyone has, if every single person. Anyway, if every single person doesn't sign on. Who cares? It's not going to change. Nothing will change. I'm not going to debate the rank and file because I was actually deeply involved in that at the time. So I happen to know how that played out. So rather than get stuck dealing with the, uh, with the outpouring of the crap that came from Nevada, believe me when I say this regular people, I I, I'm dealing with people that are in the union now that are, that are trying desperately to organize people and people have been so conditioned by gap psychology, so conditioned by gap psychology that they feel like they've earned benefits. And they don't want others to have them necessarily because they feel like this is what separates them from the person below. I gotta flush my brain of all the conversations I'm having with people that are trying to do this stuff at the highest levels that are busy in there doing it. So I could try to unlearn what I know to be able to fit that into the narrative, but I can't because it's important to understand regular people, not just leadership people, regular people are trapped in this whole thing of, hey, the way I gauge myself between who's above me and who's below me is the gap. And it's been proven to me. That's why Bernie Sanders line was trying to make people care for someone. Would you do something for someone you don't know? And the answer is mostly no. People that are living their best life, their kids won't carry any student debt. They're rich. They got life by the short hairs. They will never be impacted by most of these things, but in their world, They might lose something. And if they lose something that they work for, they will fight to retain that. It's human nature to some extent, correct? And yet at the same time, it's the very barrier that prevents us from moving forward. This is why unions are having such a hell of a time to move forward right now. Because even inside there, people are about, hey, If we all make the same pay and I work harder than Joey down below me, what the fuck? That doesn't make sense. How come I don't get double what he makes? Because I work double as hard. And so all of a sudden, the gap psychology starts kicking in. I wish this wasn't the case. But it is the fucking case. And that's the problem. That is the problem. And the more you go back and you look at the generation before us and the generation before them, as they got glide into retirement, they had pension plans. Most people don't get pension plans. Back then, they had the ability, they had the ability to sock away a million bucks. They retire after 30 years. They have health care. They have huge amounts of money. And they don't care that nobody else, including their children and grandchildren, have any of those things at all at all so what do you do with that how do you get past that because we have to overcome gap psychology to overcome the resistance people have to progressive policy You saw every chucklehead under the sun come out like a fucking demon. Hey, I paid my student debt. Why should anybody get a handout? Wait, who did you vote for? I voted for Bernie Sanders. You voted for Bernie Sanders, but you said that? Your fucking mouth moved and those words came out? What the fuck? But we're surrounded by it. I'm not joking. We are surrounded by it trash you think about it's like hey how come i you know i did 20 years as a slave and these people you're gonna free them after one year that's unconscionable i put my 19 years in why should you let them out after one people acting like this folks that's why when you look up you know that that's only part of your battle gap psychology shows us that people one step above and even sometimes in the same station are the enemy. When I say the enemy, I'm not talking about final boss. If you're playing a video game, you're playing Sonic the Hedgehog, whatever, okay? When you fight each boss at each level, each boss is not as hard as the last boss, but there are still many bosses. There's capos in the mafia. There's tons of these mid-range bosses, and I'm calling people who are a station above you in this rat race that try to keep you down. That's kind of like a capo for the mafia, another, another rank in the step before you get the final boss at the top. And unfortunately, the working class, the 99%, includes many of those people up the food chain. They've just been convinced they're not part of the working class. So an, an act without class consciousness, and an act where people don't understand that the government is the currency creator, And in a world where they don't understand gap psychology, they perpetrate the worst society has. And that's why groups like the Libertarian Party will work with quote-unquote leftists in the horseshoe arrangement, the Red-Brown Alliance, ignoring the austerity component. And it's a damn shame. And we're all going to pay for it. So let's take a look in here. Let's see if we've got any good comments have been ranting i want to make sure say even the ones who agree won't hold their teams politicians accountable on these topics exactly correct status quo persists we are in very big trouble i agree with that teresa gap psychology is more pervasive than most people believe absolutely correct mr baxter um if we had people if we had it people would be able to take risks and own small businesses sure um Anyway, there's a bunch of great comments in here. I really appreciate you guys adding in. Um, I think that it's very important to understand ultimately that without us as a, how do I put this, as a barrier to gap psychology, without someone standing up and saying, you aren't anti-war unless you're anti-austerity because the war on the poor is real and it's international, it's ongoing, it's the longest war on the books. And it's a war that doesn't have to be. It's a war that with the right policies and a government that actually represents people and is not captured and is not like a puppet fake political theater. In that arrangement, you could eradicate poverty without any problem at all. We already know government is the currency issuer. It can do anything. It can do anything. And there's somebody out there who's going to say, but Steve, what about making up fiscal space? Because if you spend too much, then you'll have inflation and blah, blah, blah. Make the right investments. Make the right investments in boosting the supply chain. Make the right investments in green, sustainable energy. Make the right investments in building sustainable cities. Make the right investments in high-speed rail. Make the right investments in ensuring that everyone's basic needs are taken care of regardless of their station in life these are all possible the only thing stopping them is politics with that folks i'm steve grumbine and i hope that this made some sense i hope that it wasn't a complete waste please by all means like and subscribe please become a, a supporter let us get this message out there we need to have people recognizing that the war is being waged against us as one that creates poverty and it is the biggest, most deadly war on the planet. It is not a joke. It is not anything other than pure unadulterated murder. And unless we're going to take that seriously, I really don't want to hear shit about people being anti-war because this is the biggest war and they stay silent and bond with the very people that make austerity a thing. All right. I'm Steve Grumbine. The Rogue Scholar, and I guess you would know that I am. If you enjoyed this podcast and would like to support our efforts, please take a moment to subscribe and check out our other work on the Real Progress in Action YouTube channel and visit our sister organization's website at realprogressives.org.